0: Turn with me, please, to First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven. First Corinthians chapter eleven, and uh, just for the sake of time, we'll begin to read from verse twenty-three. 1 Corinthians chapter eleven, and verse twenty-three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and see, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the Lord or with the word. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together into condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Two ordinances were established, of course, by the Lord Jesus Christ for his people to observe. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, which is also called the Communion, back in the chapter 10 and the verse 16. In the upper room as they met to celebrate the Passover, Jesus took the cup and the bread, which was a simple but common meal in those days, and he, he transformed them into a meaningful spiritual experience for his blood-bought people. He took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke the bread, which spoke of his broken body. Now, there was no bones in his body broken, of course, but his body was so badly mutilated and tortured that it was hardly recognizable. And then he gave the bread to his disciples, and he said, recorded in Luke's gospel, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And likewise also the cup after supper, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The bread spoke of his broken body, and the wine spoke of his blood, indicating the terrible death that he would soon experience. He concluded the feast, By singing a hymn and he went out into the night. He crossed the Kidron Valley into the garden of Gethsemane on the slopes of the Mount of Olives and it was there as predicted the Lord Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested and the following day he was crucified. And you know folks all across the world there are huge and impressive uh, monuments and memorials and sanitafts built to remember the sacrifice of soldiers in many, many wars and conflicts. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wanted only to be remembered with the simple meal of bread and wine. However, there was a problem here in the church at Corinth when they met to observe this ordinance. You see, there was sin in this particular fellowship. They were not what they should have been. And, of course, it is a serious thing to participate in the Lord's Supper with an unprepared heart and in a careless manner. This was the case with these Corinthians. And God had chastised them. And Paul said in the verse 30, For this cause or this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. In other words, many had died. However, the Lord's Supper gives us all the opportunity this morning for spiritual growth and blessing if we approach it with the right attitude. And there are four things to observe in this portion of Scripture if we want to receive the blessing of God rather than the discipline of God in our lives. First of all, uh, we, we are to look back this morning. We're to look back. The people of the Old Testament, they looked ahead to the cross, but we are able to look back at the cross today. So the broken bread this morning, it reminds us of Christ's broken body on the cross and the cup, it reminds us of his precious shed blood. Many, understandably, will try not to think of circumstances surrounding the death of a loved one and tragic circumstances. But the Lord told us to take, eat, this is my body and this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance. Of me. Remembrance. He instructs us as we observe his table this morning to look back and remember how he died. Because everything we have as Christians, it centers on his death. Part of the gospel message is that Christ died and was buried. Yesterday, Christmas Day, we remembered his birth. But it was not his birth or his life or his teachings or even his miracles that secured a narrow path to heaven for sinners but it was his death. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He was simply born to die. Therefore, we must remember why he died. Christ died for our sins. He literally took our place since Stephen's Day or Boxing Day, as it's known by many. For the world, it's a traditional day of many different types of sport. Just as in the game of football when a substitute comes on to replace an injured player, the Lord Jesus Christ became our substitute. He took our place. But we were not merely injured. No, we were spiritually dead. Dead because of the real worldwide pandemic of sin which affects every human being in the world today. There on that middle tree between a repentant sinner and a rebellious sinner, He paid a debt that we could never pay. So we're to look back this morning, but we're also to look forward. We are to eat the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of him. So this indicates that this ceremony was to be continued and repeated into the future. That's why we observe it this morning. It also indicated that the Passover, which required the death of a lamb, and looked forward to the coming of the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world, It was fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. The new covenant replaced the old covenant when Christ, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed. Therefore, the old Jewish system of animal sacrifice was no longer needed in the future. It was only ever a temporary covering for sin anyway. Hebrews says it was or it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It simply pointed towards the ultimate, the the final sacrifice on the cross, which was final and was never to be repeated. It is only the blood of Christ that will cleanse us from our sin. Verse 26, we are to remember his death in this manner till he come. Christ not only died and was buried, but he was raised again the third day and he ascended into heaven to sit at the Father's right hand. The founders of every other demonically inspired false religion and cult are dead. But Christ, our Savior, is alive today. Whilst believers do have differences of opinion as to how or even when the Lord will come back, every single one of us this morning are united in our belief that he is coming back. We believe that with all of our hearts. He promised his disciples, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The Bible tells us of the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, who will soon appear. During the Climate Change Conference, or COP26 in Glasgow just a number of weeks ago, Prince Charles gave a chilling warning regarding the need for a, and I quote, a vast military-style campaign to marshal the strength to march the global private sector with trillions at his disposal. Who was he referring to? Who did he mean when he said, at his disposal? He went on to say, it offers the only real prospect beyond the governments of the world's leaders. Who will sat himself beyond or above the world's leaders. Was Prince Charles preparing the ground for the coming Antichrist? Now, don't forget, this is the same Prince Charles that said many years ago that when he became king, he would no longer be the defender of the faith, but defender of the faiths. And I believe that means a one-world religion incorporating all the false religion. Revelation 13, of course, it tells us of that man uh, of sin, and no man would be able to buy or sell without receiving his mark in their right hand or their forehead. And, of course, what we're witnessing right now across Europe is the process that will quickly take us to that point. Even now in Ireland, you can't go into a licensed restaurant to buy a meal without a a digital mark on your phone. They can't sell you a meal in that restaurant unless you have that mark. That is why there is a constant and relentless pressure to get people vaccinated and onto this COVID passport, which will become a data passport, which will eventually become a mark in the right hand or the forehead. Friends, it's coming. But praise God this morning Jesus Christ is coming also. Jesus Christ is coming and we have no need to fear anything that is happening today. The only thing we need to fear is letting God down and being unfaithful in these last, last days. God has this all under control. And it's all happening exactly as he planned it would. And we are on the right side of history. We are on the side that has already won. Who knows where we will be this time next year, maybe in some sort of camp. It'll not be a Butlin's camp. It'll not be a Centre Park's camp. But if you're saved, then it doesn't really matter. And the statement in verse 26, it places a time limit on the Lord's Supper. It says it will finish when he returns. So we're to look back and we're to look forward, but we also must look within. Paul did not say in verse 27 that, we had to be worthy to partake in the Lord's Supper because, let's face it all this morning, none of us, none of us are worthy. None are worthy to commune with God. It is only by virtue of the shed blood of Christ that we have been made worthy. What Paul meant was that we should not take part in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. In the early days of the church, Christians celebrated celebrated the Lord's Supper as as a feast. And the sin of partaking in an unworthy manner was on full display when the Corinthians came together. Verse 18, Paul says, there was division in the fellowship. The communion service had become corrupted with selfishness, refusal to share, and even drunkenness. Verse 21, they discriminated against and humiliated the poor. Verse 22, they treated the Lord's table as an ordinary meal to satisfy their hunger. They were neither honoring God nor edifying one another in their celebration. In verse 22, Paul says that amounted to despising some people within the church of God. They were in an absolute mess. So what about the church today? What about our own fellowship this morning? Well, as verse 28 says, we must examine our own hearts and examine our own motives. Verse 31, we should judge our own sins, and then confess them to the Lord. To come to this table this morning with unconfessed sin in our lives, verse 27, it is to be guilty of Christ's body and blood, for it was our sins that nailed him to that tree. Verse 28, we are to examine ourselves before we eat the bread and drink the cup, because if we dare to do this in an unworthy manner, we're going to invite judgment upon ourselves. If we fail to judge ourselves, then God will do the judging for us. And that might mean chastisement until we do confess and repent, because that is what happened to the Corinthians. In verse 30, those who sat around his table in an unworthy manner, God disciplined with weakness, sickness, and even death. It was that serious. The word communion is related to union. Communion is the result of a union with Christ. If we have no union with Christ, then the act of taking communion has no significance. A person who has not been spiritually regenerated has no means by which to commune with God. An unbeliever taking communion is practicing hypocrisy, and they place themselves in danger of God's judgment. And for a child of God to take communion in a state of unrepentant sin is just another type of hypocrisy. If you run with the devil all week and then you sit at the Lord's table at the weekend, it's hypocrisy. Harboring sin in your heart, refusing to forgive and to be reconciled to a brother or sister, or resisting to acknowledge your need of forgiveness when you know it is freely available to you, it's just a sign of your hard heart, which is not in communion or in union with Christ. We're to look back, look forward, look within And finally, we must look around. Look around, not at other believers to try and find fault in them, but as verse 29 indicates, to discern the Lord's body, the church being the body of Christ. The Lord's Supper should be a demonstration of the unity that exists within our own fellowship. That's what was missing in the Corinthian church. They actually demonstrated their disunity and they were actually doing more harm than good. The Lord's Supper is an act of worship. It's meant to memorialize Christ's ultimate and final sacrifice and reflect the love and the unity among members of the body of Christ. But with the Corinthian church, it magnified the divisions that existed among them. The Lord's Supper is a family meal, and the desire of the head of the family is that his children be united, loving, and caring for one another. We can't expect to draw closer to the Lord this morning if something is separating us from other members of that family. We can't remember the Lord's death if we don't love one another. First John 4 and 11, it says, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. This table is, is not for unbelievers, and neither is it for a believer if his heart is not right with God and with other fellow believers. Therefore, there are two types of people that should not be at this table this morning, the unregenerate and the unrepentant. So we need to ask ourselves afresh this morning, am I free of unconfessed sin? Am I walking with him? Am I living in obedience to him? And am I resting in his grace? Having said all of that, The communion or the the Lord's Supper is not supposed to be a time of grief or a time of mourning over past sins and past failures. So as the bread and the wine is passed around this morning, it should be a time of personal reflection, remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you and done for me. It should also be a time of reverent worship, thanksgiving and joy and even celebration of what we have received as a result of our Lord's sacrifice on the cross. We can focus on honoring the Lord and exhibiting unity and proclaiming the gospel of Christ's salvation until he returns. In that upper room that night, the Lord Jesus was able to give thanks, even though he knew what he was about to suffer and die. Therefore, let us give thanks this morning for what he did for us. Finally, let us enter 2022 with a determination to avoid division and disunity at all costs friends our fellowship is hated it is hated and the demonic world will attempt to destroy this place next year mark my words so let us pray that God will help us to to be wise to this and that God will give us the grace to succeed praying for one another and putting on daily the whole armor of God. The Lord said, them that honor me, I will honor. Amen.